What's up, Los Angeles? It's me, your host, Casey Diaz of the Shock Holler Podcast. You know I love you guys. And today, um, well, we got some, some really cool, um, really cool guest. Um, it's, it's summer here in LA. I don't know where you're at, but uh, I can't stand the summer. I'm not a summer guy. Uh, I prefer nice little cold weather, little rain, but I refuse to, uh, you know, go to a, a woke uh, state or city. I like staying in the, <laughs> but Casey, you're in Los Angeles. Can't get more woke than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's, it's a great uh, day to be out here in LA. Um, our guest is someone that is doing an incredible job in his line of work. Uh, you're going to look him up. You're going to get excited about the stuff that he does, people that he works with. Um, and, and I can't just, um, I can't speak more about who our guest is and what he does. Uh, it's just, uh, for those of you that have a chip on your shoulder about law enforcement, um, because you're, you're listening or watching uh, programs that are programmed to make you think a certain way. Um, I think it, the, 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 the intelligent thing to do is always to look at something and not just go and look at something just once, but study it out. Look at the results. You know, I, I've been in, in Los Angeles all my life, and I can tell you that People that run the city, the county, <laughs> it's a mess. We have homelessness like never before. I don't know what Bill Bat better, if that looks, I don't, you know, don't get me started. I get very animated when, when I see uh, the stuff that's going on uh, in, our, in our beautiful city. And we live in a very beautiful state. I mean, I, you've, hear, you've heard me say this over and over again. We have beaches. We have waterfalls. We have mountains, creeks, woods. We have everything. Why do we have to step out of our neighborhoods and watch trailers and trash and people higher than kites running rampant and the crime rate just going Bananas everywhere in Los Angeles. And it's not only just Los Angeles, by the way. It's everywhere in California. It's everywhere in California. People visit this place and, and they, they, they get duped. Uh, you know, uh, they see the pictures. They see the Hollywood sign. They see Hollywood. They see all the beauty of California. And then they, the plane lands here. And you're kind of left, you know, with your jaw dropped because that's not the pictures. Those weren't the things that that um, you thought you were going to see. Instead, you're going to see somebody, you know, <laughs> half naked, if not naked, running rampant uh, down the street, and it's just a mess. So today, um, our guest is Nick, and, and 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 he founded the Resiliency Project. Works with law enforcement. And I want to welcome Nick uh, to 
to the Shot Caller Podcast. Thank you for being here, man. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I'm very grateful to be here with you. You know, you start this project. How does that happen? I, uh, you know, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't uh, really have a, an idea when I medically retired from law enforcement what I was going to do. And I decided that uh, starting a nonprofit to help other law enforcement officers deal with the kinds of uh, untreated trauma that I was experiencing that, that certainly affected my, my life help give them an opportunity to go to a, an organization that was going to help them and they didn't have to worry about the repercussion, repercussions of getting help, providing an opportunity and a pathway towards healing. Because except for the last two years, we've seen an incredible amount of violence towards law enforcement. Typically, more officers die by their own hands than the line of duty. And that's shameful. And um, it's been an amazing journey with amazing people. And uh, yeah, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity because you're doing uh, amazing things as well. And so like, uh, you know, the conversation we had before we, we jumped on here was very enlightening. And so thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Uh, you know, uh, I always um, I like working with law enforcement and, and having these these moments with, with guys like you. Um, whether they're retired or active, and some, you know, I understand that the active ones can't really say much. Uh, it's not, and it's unfortunate because, well, uh, leadership uh, and hundred percent and the failure thereof, absolutely uh, on a lot of ends, right? Um, but when when I hear the word transparency, you know, it sh that should be self-explanatory. It it should be given that you know you're there to do a job and safety is the number one issue at hand but that's that's not the case right now and police officers are having to think twice before they they act upon something that can save their life absolutely what do you have to say about that man so all your points, especially when you open the show, uh, is spot on. It's interesting. Cops know that they're going to experience the day in and day out, the traumatic uh, critical incidents. They know that they're going to see the worst of the worst. They don't really know how it's going to affect them. But um, the exposure to cumulative stress and trauma affects them throughout the course of their career. Unfortunately, the number one thing that we're seeing impacting mental health the most for our cops is the uh, perception, the lack of leadership when they don't feel supported at the top, organizational betrayal, whether it's real or perceived. They never, cops never believe, especially when they start the, their career, that the threat is going to happen from within. And so it changes the lens through which our cops see the world. And now more than ever in the last two years, we have seen leadership around the country not supporting their officers when they should. They're afraid of, quote, optics. 
um, when officers are defending themselves or overcoming resistance, and they feel abandoned. They feel absolutely abandoned on top of seeing the constant ridicule and scorn of an ungrateful society. They don't understand that cops, in every profession, there's bad apples. But in this profession, those bad apples are weeded out because no one likes a bad cop. And we have seen politics immerse themselves into this profession that's supposed to be apolitical. And leadership and or district attorneys doing absolutely unethical, immoral things. We're seeing leadership buckling under the political pressures. And they're doing a huge disservice and further dividing the community as a result while they're abandoning their troops, and it's it's morally reprehensible. Yeah, you know, um, and, and we got some good news in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, we needed 550,000 signatures, if I'm not mistaken, to uh, unseat Gascon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Los Angeles was able to get more than 700,000. Uh, and, and, and it's sad that we have to go through that length to make sure that everything is, you know, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted so that this guy could be out of office. Because, I mean, <laughs> you have a guy, and, and I keep talking about him because it's important. I think education is very important when it's done, you know, with a right mind that safety is number one. You know, uh, there's, you know, you spent over 13 years, or I believe, in law enforcement. So you know what you're talking about. You, you've seen it firsthand. And, and it's important that the public, you know, I, we have guys that, and, and gals that listen to us uh, across America. And, and I think it's like 19 other countries that are chiming in on this interview. And I want them to know that what you're doing is it's not just important. It's, it's, I think it goes beyond that because it's educating the public at large that, number one, you know, the temperature of, of, of the hate and the bitterness towards law enforcement. Who, who are you going to call when your life is in danger, when, when, when you're stuck, when, when you're being robbed, when, when, when an emergency happens, you're not calling your uncle. You're not calling your aunt. You're not calling your boyfriend. You're not calling anybody else. You're not calling your pastor, for that matter. You're calling a 911 operator to send aid immediately. Mm-hmm. And who comes to that rescue? Well, it's first responders. It's, it's law enforcement. It's an ambulance. It's, it's, you know. And of all of them, it's the police department that's under scrutiny right now. It's, it's not the ambulance. It's not, it's not the firefighter. It's a police officer who's there to render aid. And the guy or the gal is risking their life. They don't, they don't know what they're going to face. They don't know who's, who they're going to be dealing with. All they're hearing is a call to respond to a certain location. There's a brief description of the people involved. But they don't know what's going to happen. And yet... You know, we have a media that's very biased, that, that's very um, just horrible. And they're teaching young people that police is bad, that white guy's bad, right? That's, that's, oh. that's, that's, that's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. And 
And so now a police officer has to think twice. He has to choose between his job and his life. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is humanizing the badge. Mm. And I love that, man. You know, I was looking at some of your stuff and, and um, uh, the way you're, you're working with law enforcement, your own brothers and sisters in, in law enforcement. I wish you would have came sooner, to be honest with you. Thank you. I, um, I wish I knew then what I've learned now. Right. And it takes a village. And that's why I'm so grateful to be here, because I think we have to have more of these honest conversations. And we, you know, a lot of people talk about bridging the gap. Yeah. Well, this is how we do it. Right. And that's why, you know, your story is so powerful. And going back to some of your earlier statements, your comments about what's going on in society and especially in L.A. and around the country. Our team, uh, who are just very dedicated, selfless first responders themselves, that are both uh, active and retired. You know, we're taking these peer support calls uh, and we're hearing these stories firsthand. I can't tell you how many times the common theme that we uh, are hearing is how difficult it is to do their job because they're under attack. We're in a war. There's a war going on. And this is no more, in my opinion, about red, blue, left, right. This is about good and evil. And I think personally that Gascon represents all that is evil uh, and he has vilified all that is good police officers their moral compass typically points towards justice and benevolence they're risking their lives to s protect a society of strangers that they don't even know they're willing to give their life in a in a, uh, in a critical incident to protect people who are at the same time spitting in their faces you have a DA whose job it is to ensure that justice is carried out. And he has flipped the criminal justice system upside down. There have been amazing people who have led the recall movement and trying to do the right thing. Hatami and Detective Moses Castillo and the entire group of people who are, are really putting everything that they got behind uh, recalling Gascon because... What he's done is not congruent or aligned with American values. It's not aligned with or representative of what the criminal justice system stands for. He is single-handedly uh, making it, creating an environment and has where cops are, it is now, it's now so imp impossible for them to do their jobs Cops, when they're using force now and going through hellacious critical incidents, are more stressed out about getting uh, charged by the DA because of a politically motivated uh, prosecution, a malicious prosecution, than they are about uh, the impacts of trauma from you know getting in a fight or getting shot at. And that's scary. That is horrible. Um, this is, and what we've seen in the last two years, this is not America. This is not aligned with what this country is all about. You know, when I was growing up, um, <clears throat> the, the, you know, prior to me messing up my life and, and, and the horrible choices that I made, prior to all that, 
I mean, I, I, I lived in a place where, uh, in an America where kids still wanted to be police officers. We played, you know, those kind yeah. of games, you know, uh, you know, cops and robbers. And you always wanted to be the cop. And very seldomly did you want one of the kids wanted to be the, the bad apple and, and play the, the, the bad guy, right? And now uh, the, the teaching that is going on throughout America is, well, cop is bad. You know, law enforcement is bad. Yeah. And, and so now the, 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 you got little kids that are flicking off, you know, flipping off uh, police officers. They get on their faces. You see videos all over. And it really upsets me when you're sticking a camera on a, on a, on a police officer. Just because you have that right doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. And, and you, you know, you're screaming at them and, you know, it's my right. It's my right. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's foul. To me, yeah. it's somebody that, so, those parents failed miserably with, with parenting. You know, when you have children, children as young as five and eight, giving the bird to a police officer that's driving by, there's nothing to be proud about that. No. Nothing. Yeah, you were talking about, you know, kind of your life a little bit and some of the mistakes you made. I, for your viewers that may not know, uh, my story is not unique or special. You know, it's uh, thousands of police officers' stories around the country. And I was dealing with the impacts of trauma. I was dealing with not being able to sleep. I was dealing with hypervigilance and all of the mental health things on top of the physical injuries my back, my arm, the day in, day out. Because there's some, so much stigma in this profession, um, I allowed it to get to me. I never reached out for help. I never went and got the, the help that I needed to be better and to heal. Uh, I, I ran myself into the ground, and as a result, I ended up losing everything. You know, I medically retired. It's not how I, I wished that I wanted you know, my, my career to end. There's a lot of shame and guilt. And so I've committed to a lifetime of healing. And, and I think that, um, that the power of the human connection is really unbelievable because you were on a different life path. And because of the trauma and the kind of revelations that you've had in your life and the commitment that you made to restoring your life and using your platform as a driving force for good, it's interesting that we can have this conversation and having both come out of our prior life and to have a conversation about what's truly going on around the country. And I think we've lost that in our country because of how divisive things have become. Yeah. Uh, I think that when you take how difficult the first responder job is in its totality and you add on all of the things that we're seeing that have only exasperated issues that that they, they call it you know justice right their their attempt to restore the criminal justice system but looting and rioting and victimizing innocent business owners or people walking down the street that's not justice that's not justice not prosecuting people who should be in jail because they're hurting people in society that's not justice and we've departed so far away from what is normal and acceptable into a, into a place that is almost unrecognizable. And I think that cops now are hurting more than ever. 
Uh, you're seeing, depending on what agency you go to, people are getting fired because of the mandates. Um, the cops took an oath to uphold the Constitution. And when they're seeing things that are unconstitutional or seem so outside the bounds of what is reasonable, that'll do a real number on your mind. And if, if we really think about it, we really want to improve community relations between law enforcement uh, and, the, and the community. Uh, why not start with their mental health and start actually doing the right thing rather than perpetuating a vicious cycle of unjust policies that are destroying communities? You, you know, we, we had this um, unfortunate loss of life with the two Omani police officers Horrible. just recently. And a guy that should have, uh, uh, and I'm not going to say a guy, I'm going to call him what he is, a coward. Monster. He should have never been. This should have never happened because he was in the hands of the justice system. But because of failed policies, because of the twisting of words and everything else that Coscon has has well done this guy walked out he walked out and, and and now we have two families and a department and a community that has been robbed of two good people when you talk about that it hits home um Almani PD is a very special agency, and I've been blessed to have met quite a few of the police officers there. They're unbelievable. They represent what is good. And when, you know, I committed to not really speaking about this until, you know, after the services and they were laid to rest, uh, that, that incident alone has sent shockwaves, ripple effects throughout the entire country. The idea that two heroes lost their lives to a monster that was released because of Gascon's failed policies. Blood is on Gascon's hands. If he had done the right thing, if he had been the DA that uh, he should have been, and literally, like it's his job... <laughs> Uh, those two heroes would be alive today. And when you see the pain in those family members in the community, when you, saw, when you see everyone come together like that, it is shocking to me. Where was the governor? The governor didn't show up. No phone calls. Um, how about the attorney general? How about people in, <laughs> that are elected officials making this an important um, event to celebrate the lives of two fallen heroes. I see a lot of um, things changing, and I think personally, not only will Gascon be out, I think that police chiefs and all those that contribute to the problem are, are going to be going as well. I think the problem is from within. We can blame subversive groups all day long but I think it's the responsibility of leaders or so-called leaders 
to do the right thing, to stand up for what is right, to ensure that they're carrying out their oath, they're not doing it. And that's what's, you know, creating the problem. We have BLM and Antifa. I'm sorry, but when you, your whole mission is to create chaos or advocate for violence or destruction or be responsible for assaults, for the deaths of law enforcement officers, um, I don't know how else to look at it other than it being a domestic terror organization. And that's exactly what they are. I, it, I, I refuse to call them an organization. I refuse to call them good. I refuse to call them something that is right because they're not. Um, when you're inciting riots, and let's call them what they are, uh, they're not peaceful protests. <laughs> you know, you got a reporter, well, mostly peaceful protest, and behind <laughs> you are businesses that are on fire. Right. And people being assaulted. That's not a peaceful protest. That's a riot. I've right. been in riots. I've caused riots in prison, in, all over the place while, while I was a knucklehead. I know what a riot looks like. That's not a peaceful protest. It's riots. And, and, and these people also need to be locked up. But you have a system right now in place that's soft on crime. And I've said it so many times. You cannot be soft on crime, especially when it's violent crime. When it's violent crime, it doesn't work. It, it just doesn't work. What cleaned up the, the streets of Los Angeles for two decades was when we had leaders that cared about community, cared about the safety of their public, and put away people like me for a very long time. And for two decades and some change, Los Angeles was starting to look really nice. It was peaceful. You could walk down the street at night. You know, and, and can't do that now. No. You've got literally a city that has all the potential in the world burning to the ground in every, every area that you look. You've got homeless camps all over the street. You've got laws now that are being passed that are facilitating more crimes. Now they're, they're, they've just passed a law that, that basically says that um, you, can't, uh, you can't arrest anyone for loitering in an area for the purposes of prostitution. They're, they're, so, you know, to your point, you've got, um, you've got like, they are, they're not deterring crime. They're soft on crime policies are creating an environment where they're pushing more criminal behavior. They're further endangering the community. They're creating more and more division uh, within the public. You've got media personalities that are not reporting on the truth. They're not calling things what they are, but they're the first to show up when there's a there's an officer who has been accused of something. You've got a situation where the rules have been set in opposition. And so uh, what's the incentive to be a police officer in 2022? You've got SB2 that is going to go into effect in January, further handcuffing the police it's going to be damn near impossible to do the job. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of system these people are creating. Um, but you know who loses at the end of the day, aside from our public safety personnel? It's the everyday citizen walking up and down the street who are, who are living in, in communities that are not just getting more and more dangerous, 
This is, they're, they're instilling a level of fear. Our children are affected. This is not justice. And at the end of the day, the level of corruption that we hear, um, and that's just from like us, and there's a lot of other organizations out there, it's, it is so shameful. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but I think at this point, to have someone like you, who's been through the system, advocating for this, um, that'd be, um, that's unbelievable. I, I think that it'd be amazing to have Gascon sit here with you to answer the tough questions that he refuses to answer to the public. I think he would hate sitting across from me. I do to too. Be, to, to be, uh, I'm 100%. I know that he would, he would not take an interview with me because I'll call him out, man. I, that's, that's, I've lived on the other side, and I see it. You know, what, what emboldens the criminal activity? You know what it does? What emboldens it? When we're soft on crime. You have guys that are running into, uh, you know, these, they go into shops that are open to jewelry stores. Just recently in, in Huntington, uh, Manhattan Beach, I believe, where they parked in an alley, bunch of cars, and you had about, I don't know, 11 guys walk in there with uh, hammers and breaking windows and stealing all kinds of broad daylight. That has never happened before. Never. I Even in my time, that didn't exist. Well, why are they so emboldened? Well, because we have people like, again, Gascon. We have mayors that are not on their job. We have governors that are just, they're on vacation. They're on vacation year-round. Yeah. Just because they went to the office doesn't mean they're working. They're on vacation. Mentally, they're on vacation. They turn a blind eye to the real problem at hand in this country, in this state. That's exactly what they're doing. When you have, listen to this, when you have O.J. Simpson, and you can look this up, you could Google it, you could just, I, I hope that you, you Google it. You can look this up. This actually happened. When you have people like O.J. Simpson saying, defunding the police, that's a bad idea. O.J. Simpson, people, is saying, let's, let's fund the police because it's getting dangerous out there. That says a lot. Yeah, how about how it was a great idea, wasn't it, to defund the police? You know, in the last two years... In the last two years, this defund movement was was it was the it was such a lie. The whole thing was such a lie. And what what did you see? You saw like you saw agencies around the country who couldn't do their jobs. Their leadership decided to buckle, um, trying to appease the mob um, in the name of justice. You've got. And it doesn't matter where you stand on the on the political spectrum, when you kneel to a to a crowd that is literally perpetuating violence, that is embarrassing. That is disgustingly shameful. You've got people who, at the orders of their command staff or city officials, abandoning their precincts or their stations that are getting run over by the mob. You have people lighting fires, lighting cities on fire burning it to the ground where's like that where's the outrage on that yeah 
where what, what what is happening in our in our country that this is not representative of any of the values of our country so i i keep like waiting I, it feels like we're in a bad dream. I keep waiting for people to wake up and say, like, enough's enough. Yet, Newsom is still the governor. Yeah. Gascon is still the DA. And those are just two of the evil people I see. But there's many around the country. Yeah. I feel at the end of the day that uh, if we really want things to get better, like, why not invest in law enforcement, mental health? Um, the, the mental health of our first responders, cops can't do their job effectively if they're not supported. And if we don't create pathways towards healing, society is not going to benefit from sick cops. Mm. And at the end of the day, we've seen a very concerted, almost intentional destruction of our criminal justice system, of our law enforcement community, and the noble efforts that they and sacrifices that they make every day, uh, and, and you know what? I, I point the finger at the DAs and the politicians, and the command staff around the country who are part of the problem. Uh, we need true courage and political um, will. You know, you, you run a program that speaks very boldly about the health, the mental health um, in officers, first responders. Um, I, I feel like um, it, it was bad then. How much worse is it now where you have such a, um, it, it's an uphill battle for you guys. I mean, you come home. I, I, I've never been that, but I could only imagine, you know, it was difficult. It's, it's a difficult job. And you can't make um, mistakes. I mean, that, that's 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 one of the jobs that you cannot make a mistake, right? It, it just you can't. And I and I love what you said in, in one of your interviews. You know, you can make a mistake as a teacher. You can make a mistake as you know a, a contractor, uh, a sign maker. You can make a mistake, and 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 pretty much you know you fix it. But you really can't make. There's so much that's against you on that job. And I, I think educating the public, and that's why I, I, when, when Ed uh, told me about you, uh, I said yes, because the public needs to know. I want kids to know. I want the teenager to know. I want, we need good, more good people in law enforcement as first responders. And this is why this, this bridge that God has allowed me to, to have with you guys, and I have, man, I never, like I, I shared with you, never in my wildest imagination did I think that I would always, that I would be in a place where um, this time I'm surrounded by police for a good reason. And, you know, <laughs> I, I have great friendships with, with you guys and uh, just great people. And this is what I want our listeners here at the Shock Call Podcast. I want you to know that this is a job that they take on. It's a career. It's their life. We need these people. They are not bad people. Look, listen, in your job, in the place that you work at, there's bad apples. In every part, whether it's a church, it's a school, you know, 
wherever you work, there's going to be bad people. And you got to get over that, 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 that hump that, you know, well, well, yeah, but these are police officers. They can't be bad. They're human. 100%. How about, no, you're, you're speaking truth. We like, or, or society cannot be organized by by demonizing people who are serving and protecting and giving all of themselves, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, those people that 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 tarnish the badge, those people get weeded out. Yeah. So you're to your listeners, like you were talking about this earlier. Who when, when on our worst day, there's one person, there's one subgroup in our in our society that people call for help. Uh, these are the same people that are. Uh, flipping them off, spitting in their face, not complying. People are getting hurt they're not, because they're not complying with orders. They've been empowered because of all the things that we've spoken about and the things that have gone, gone on in the last two years. They're being empowered and emboldened. They're perpetuating criminal behavior. And a lot of this has to start in the, in the, in the home and because yeah. of the, the breakdown of the family structure. But, but, Criminal behavior is being basically supported. They're allowing this to happen. Cops, at the end of the day, are literally there willing to sacrifice themselves for strangers who would spit in their face, throw rocks and bottles at them uh, without even thinking about it. This, like... The conversation we're having has to happen more, yeah. and 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 someone like you, who who has a story like you do, um, is it, it's it's pretty powerful that you're able to advocate for this and help speak truth to your audience. If we want to bridge the gap, these are the conversations, and that's why I'm grateful for you. It's it's actually a blessing that Ed uh, he connected us and that you would be willing to have this conversation. I think. Uh, and I think I could speak for all of us, at least with the Resiliency Project. Our hearts are broken. Our hearts are broken for El Monte and for their families. Our hearts are broken for the people at the San Diego Police Department, L.A. Police Department. Our hearts are broken for Ben Darby, who has been wrongly convicted of murder. Uh, and, and there was a political setup. They absolutely... Um, colluded to put Ben Darby in prison and all this is going to come out um, and when you're making uh, sacrifices daily and you're leaving your families at home remember they're, they're fathers and mothers and they're people they're human beings too and they're leaving their home to take all this on for what? <laughs> it ain't the money <laughs> Yeah, it ain't the money so um, you know I think Long term, the question becomes: Well, how do we, how do we fix this? How do we change things where we can restore confidence in a country that has been um, sadly run into the ground? Uh, and it's conversations with people like you and all the amazing people that we've worked with to try to have dialogue and communication, open up pathways of understanding and healing. Uh, because um, we can't, you can't sustain this level, level of darkness and expect to have a life that is, you know, 
fulfilled, happy. This is this is horrible what we're seeing, and it is a very concerted effort from I think evil beginnings. And you got DAs like Gascon and others that are funded by George Soros. Why are we why are we not putting a stop to what's going on? It's um, and and why why are we getting shut down? Um, at times on social media, the amount of suppression of the freedom of speech, the amount of censorship, the fear that uh, so many people have of being labeled, uh, you know, an extremist for having an opinion. We've lost our country. And and, and it has a lot to do with social media. I mean, that's a monster right there. Uh, You know, the the cancel culture (laughs) is, is just, it's aimed at people that tell the truth. Shouldn't I be able to say that today... Uh, I identify as an alien. I sh- I showed up here in a you know in a purple uh, costume, and I'm here to you know rock and roll. They're not going to shut me down for saying that, are no, they? No, no, not at all. It's when you have an opinion about a, a narrative that has been concocted, and if you're not going along with the narrative, you're going to get shut down. And I've known so many people and have friends that have been deplatformed and basically digitally eviscerated. Because they didn't go along with the narrative. That's how far we've departed from... Uh, Truth. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and so I think, I think when we talk about what's going on, we're talking about how, how you know, politically motivated agendas are immersing themselves in our everyday lives and, and, and turning our entire system upside down. I think it's important for people to really... Uh, Invest in in studying what's happening rather than looking at a quick blip uh, of of a news uh, uh, story, a headline, a headline, something on social media. Like no, like it's your civic duty and responsibility to educate yourself mm-hmm. and to make a, 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 like a, an informed decision based on studying what's really going on. Because um, if we continue to handcuff our police. And, and SB2 really gets going in, in, in January. And if things don't change, do you think cops are going to do their job? Do you think that we're going to be able to hire or retain or recruit good candidates that have good backgrounds? We're, they're lowering hiring standards. They are uh, almost in depending on where you go in the country, indoctrinating cops with this agenda. Um, and so we're losing the best cops that we could possibly have. And this is being talked about within the law enforcement community, especially in places like San Diego and Chicago and L.A. I mean, think about what it would feel like to have Partners lost at the hands of BLM or Antifa. And then imagine working for an agency that removes the thin blue line flag out from your entire station and puts up BLM plaques and going to work and seeing that every day. I believe that all lives matter. I don't think that the narrative 
is an honest one, and I think it's a lie. And I think that uh, the political, you know, the policies and the things that they're pushing out, like Gascon is doing, or other DAs, um, it, it is it is for votes. It's, it's for, this is chaos. How do you get Jackie Lacey, mm-hmm. the first black female DA, yeah, yeah. who is really, really well respected, yeah. Who basically gets thrown out because Soros funded a guy who has uh, no moral compass and radical policies? I can't I can't explain it, but I think if if we all work together to try and understand where we went and where we're going, and we continue to have uh, communication and dialogue like this, hopefully. Uh, more people will wake up and more people will start to understand that what they're experiencing now is not okay. It's not the norm. This is not This is not going to ever heal communities. This is not going to restore a sense of, of justice that uh, is being explained in a way that is, is not justice. Has there been, have you seen an, an uprise in early retirement? Oh my gosh. Right now, if you look at some of these major, uh, like, metropolitan cities, you've got um, early retirements, people that are lateraling, they're quitting. Look at San Diego PD as a great example. San Diego PD was one of the best, most well-respected agencies in the country, okay? Because of their leadership, their command staff, because of their, their city politics, They've lost some of the best at their agency. Well over 200 cops have already left. Wow. Um, They are holding calls for service that are priority calls, domestic violences, in-progress, you know, assaults and stuff like that. They're holding them for hours. You go into some of these communities and you need help, a cops, depending on what shift or what day it is, they're not going to be able to show up. And that's, you know what that does? That creates a sense of hopelessness and helplessness with cops because they want to go protect. They want to do their jobs. Even in these conditions, they want to do their jobs. And their hands are tied. 100%. And what else are we seeing? We're seeing cops afraid to defend themselves or use force when they need to. Yeah. And they're getting hurt. Multiple calls that we've gotten where cops literally ended up in the hospital. They waited too long. They don't feel like they're going to be supported by their command staff. Um, the, the morale at these agencies are, you know, depending on where you go, they're just, it's being decimated. So there's two ways of looking at this, right? Like this is a huge opportunity to invest in mental health and to create wellness programs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the, the flip side is that if we don't start getting smart and serious quick, the, what we understand about law enforcement will change very dramatically. That's my belief. I believe that, that you know what, we can do, um, we've been trying community-oriented policing and problem-solving since the 80s, all right? And then there was, you know, coffee with a cop and tip a cop. And then, you know, then we've got these runs and uh, all these different community engagements. And now you've got TikTok cops dancing cops, sexualizing themselves in uniform. 
they're going we've gone so far yeah. oh, outside of what is normal or <clears throat> decent and it's like this isn't this is a, it's kind of embarrassing yeah um cops cops are leaving they're retiring they're going to other agencies where they know that they will be supported but that that's shrinking significantly yeah. and and you're losing like you said you're you're losing a community is losing out on experienced police officers experienced police officers and, and you know just recently uh, you had uh, West Hollywood uh, they're gonna further defund the sheriff's department there Ugh. and they're gonna put um, these people that are going to respond to one of the most dangerous calls of all, to domestic violence calls. They're not police officers. I, I forgot the name of them, uh, what, what they're calling them. Basically, you're going to get a bunch of civilians, mm -hmm. citizens, untrained, uh, with some social skills that they're going to, you know, I guess, put together. And you're going to send them to one of the most dangerous calls. What? It's it's almost like cringing, isn't it? It is. It's it's so you've got like first of all, we we support um Sheriff Yinoeva. We gave him Sheriff of the Year. He was the second sheriff that we have done this uh for. Uh he's been fighting with the LA County Board uh, the Board of Supervisors who honestly are out of their heads, right? They're nuts. And defunding the sheriff's department uh, and, and, and literally they're, they're creating such havoc. The sheriff, Alex Villanueva, has been vehemently fighting to, and he's been doing it bravely yes. with leadership, calling out the BS and the nonsense, advocating for his deputies, and holding those that need to be held accountable. He's holding them accountable. Yep. All right? I don't know what more you could want uh, from a sheriff, but he has been trying his his best to ensure that public safety is number one priority. Yeah. Um, and look at how much they're attacking him. Yeah. Look at how much... And you've got... You know what you got? One of his opponents uh, literally just... Um, came out and basically started supporting Gascon by not standing against his policies. Uh, this is only going to get worse. We're, we, we are not going to be able to sustain this profession without significant changes, and everyone loses. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, here's a funny part, and this is a crazy part, is that West Los Angeles has the high, it, it's, it's like, it's breeding crime. Mm. It's just breeding crime. And now you're going to further defund the sheriff's department there. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, it's bad now. How much worse? It's, it's almost like they're in a competition to see who makes it worse. That's what it looks like. When we, you're right. No, this is crazy. So we just got back from <clears throat> Washington State. Mm -hmm. We were up in Port Orchard, right outside of Seattle. You should see what's going on up there. So I yeah. thought California was the worst, right? <laughs> I thought it was, but they're a little bit further ahead now yeah. in, in this silliness. So you know what they've got? 
Recently, they've had a, a kidnapping suspect call 911 because he was running from the cops. They're not allowed to pursue up there anymore. So he's like, hey, on the phone, can you tell your cops to stop chasing me? Um, I know I just basically kidnapped somebody, but uh, the law now says you can't chase me. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so the suspect yeah. who has kidnapped somebody yeah. is calling 911. Your cops are chasing me. Tell them to stop. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. You've got um, – so you got – we're up there and we're talking to these cops, right? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm teaching a class for mental health. I could not believe what they were saying. So you can't – they've – Let's talk about how crazy this is. The new laws up there are literally talking about race in the new laws. If they want to like bridge the gap and all that, why are they making everything race-based? So you can't, you literally, let's say that you're responding to a bank robbery and there's a, uh, a suspect that uh, the the. the, the Description comes out as a man with a gun with a red sweatshirt. If you're arriving on scene up there and you see a guy with a gun and a red sweatshirt, you can't stop him until you go make contact with the person who called because, God forbid, you get the wrong guy and he's a different race than the officer. What? Yeah, this is insane. So um, – Cops, especially in major parts of the country now, uh, like they, they can't chase people. Um, they can't do their jobs. Um, so we've now seen more violence perpetuated against law enforcement than ever before. Yeah. And it continues to skyrocket. Um, so um, there's no incentive to do the job. God bless the people that are still doing the job. But most people are leaving for Idaho, Texas, you know, states where it hasn't completely derailed like we haven't lost or completely. You, you know, the other thing that the media is doing that, and, and I know I'm not the only one. And I'm about to call them out right in this very moment. When did we stop? You know, they're showing us footage on the news, right, of a crime. Cameras are rolling, boom. And now there's no description of what that suspect is it's like uh no we know we, we're, we're watching we're seeing it if it's a hispanic you know guy robbing a place hey it's a hispanic male if it's a black dude it's a black dude if it's a white guy it's a white guy what, what the heck is wrong with this that now we just don't want to say nothing uh, it's a guy with wearing pants and shoes and a shirt <laughs> yeah we see the guy. <laughs> it's a it's a non-binary. It's a uh, it's an you know people now can identify as a slice of pizza if they want to, right? Well, now we got a we got a large pepperoni pizza running out of the bank, right? I mean, I, like it's at, at at some point, like someone. I, I like that we can laugh about it, but could you imagine? That's crazy. It's man. insane, and so um, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the answer is at the end of the yeah. day, other than like, I think it's been amazing to see some of our friends that are now running for office uh, because they're they're sick of it. And I think more and more of the right people are running for office because I don't know how else you change the system. 
right? Yeah. Than trying to, to do something that's, you know, a little bit different. I think, I think just to add to what you're saying, um, we really have like a lot of crime victims who uh, have been hurt or um, sexually assaulted. Uh, cops couldn't get there fast enough because of what's going on. Yeah. So, um, well, and, and this is the, this is the big this is the big problem, man. When when the victim is now taking a backseat and and now the guy that's robbing, the guy that's kidnapping, raping, the guy that's murdering. Well, let's feel sorry for that guy because, you know, uh, nobody gave him cookies while he was growing up. Uh, and the dad walked out on him. So let's feel sorry for that guy. It's, <laughs> it, and so look, it, you know, m everyone has had trauma and trials and 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 tribulations in their life, right? Yeah. I mean, but if you don't take personal responsibility, I mean, look at like like you, right? Like you're not sitting here uh, pointing your finger and blaming everybody for like the direction that that you took in life. You grew up in a in a very difficult, broken home that I was reading up, you know, before I uh, as we initially started talking and learning about your story and the adversity that you experienced, right? Um but look at where you are now. You're not blaming this. Um, and like you take personal responsibility. We have like a, a new uh, society of people that are so dependent on government and they blame everybody for their problems. They're pointing the finger. Right. And we have a lack of uh, there's like a decreased lack of mor morality going on. And it's. Uh, this is adding to the problem. I think if some of your viewers are younger, imagine what will happen when you no longer are safe in your community and when you call for help, they may not show up for a very long time. And imagine they do show up, but you're not getting the best version of a law enforcement officer because we have hired or recruited someone that doesn't have the same um, moral compass or intestinal fortitude. Imagine if you're you're being assaulted, and and the officer is not doing everything they can um, to prevent the assault from happening, or they're afraid to put themselves in harm's way because uh, we've created an environment where they're going to be scorned, ridiculed, prosecuted. I mean, this is insane, right? It really is, you know. Um, I, I, I can't believe we still have two more years. I don't know that it's going to happen, <laughs> though. I honestly think maybe it's just the idealistic, um, hopeful lens through which I see yeah. things, right? And maybe I'm very foolish for thinking this, but I don't think Gascon will survive the rest of his, you know, um, career, you know, I mean, politically, not literally, but I don't think he's going to be able to survive the, the mess and the chaos that he's created. I hope something will happen at the, you know, governor's level too, uh, because the state is, as you probably are very uh, well versed as, as we've been talking before the, the recording, like our state is falling apart completely, you yeah. know, seven and a half something gallon uh, oh my gallon gosh. shortages. Uh, I almost skateboarded over here. 
I mean, seriously, think <laughs> about it, right? And by the way, not to get too, you know, but but it is weird for me being in a county, not not really sure if I was going to be able to get a cup of coffee because I'm not vaccinated. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so literally, I mean, you vaccine passports are very real here. Yeah, we did get denied uh, going into a museum, and I was in shock. And so you can basically because of how they've restructured the laws and yeah. sentencing and all that stuff, you can basically walk down the street naked, high on, on drugs, um, you know, with a syringe sticking out of your arm, defecating in public, but you can't be a law-abiding citizen and go get a cheeseburger. Yeah. I mean, what, what is that, right? Uh, I, I, was, uh, I was just coming out of church um, not too long ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, we're hungry. I take my family and my sister-in-law and, and her, her daughter, and we go across to uh, Fridays. And, uh, I mean, it's like I felt like I was in the shoe program. <laughs> you know, I, I felt like I was in the shoe program all over, just walking in. Everything's glassed out. And, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and this is way after. This is way after, like, you know, it started kind of getting a little, you know, a little freer again. Mm. And we get there, and... They tell us, are you vaccinated? And I'm looking at her like, what? I'm here for a cheeseburger. Insane. I'm here for from for some fries. Vaccinated. Yeah, insane. I just turned around and I went, no, you're not getting my money. Yeah. And I want to let all my friends know not to come here because you're you're idiots. Yeah. The, what? You know, so anyway, but, but but that's how this is where we're at in, in, yeah. in the United States now. And it's a collection of these factors that yeah. are very serious. We can't we you know, we can laugh about it. Yeah. it at the end of the day, we kind of have to laugh about it because I don't think people, especially depending on where you are in the country, realize really how bad it is and how much they've um, they've really destroyed this state. And yeah. this was I mean, people are leaving like crazy um people are i think there was a recent uh study that showed how like hundreds of thousands of people in some of the major metropolitan um areas of california are leaving um at the end of the day i think that uh super important that we all work together yeah. right yeah we we all really have to work together and i think it's you know individual people who have platforms that are using it as a driving force for good um, like yourself or organizations, I think we have to stop with the, you know, we don't really need someone to be top dog, right? If we all just work together. That's it. Could man. you imagine like how much we'd get done? You know, I, I want to go back to the America where you can make uh, a good joke <laughs> and, and you don't go crying on the corner yeah. and, 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 you know, and making a big fuss about it. Oh, yeah. Remember those days? Yeah. Re- you remember when we had, didn't have to worry about <laughs> Using the right pronoun and stuff yeah. like that, like, I, like I know you're a man, right? Yeah. But if you, I don't want to get fined if I, you know, mispronoun yeah. you. I like might be a, a pizza. Yeah, you might be a, <laughs> you might be a slice of pizza, right? So I think um, I want to. Yeah, I, I love to go back to those times. You know where we see it in is our children. Yeah, my, my son, you know, is six years old, and and trying to explain to him, like what it means to use your mind and to be patriotic and to um, seeing what he's afraid of 
it, it's honestly horrific. Yeah. The lockdowns, when the lockdowns happened, uh, it really messed with him. Uh, and so, you know, the whole mass thing, you know, for me is, um, I mean, you, you, we have police officers that are still having to wear masks at certain agencies, right? And, and I don't get it because there's all this data now that is coming out, right? Yeah. But we're, they're still pushing. Like, you look at San Diego PD and LAPD, they're still pushing yeah. this, this. It's control. Area. Total control. That's exactly what it is. There's yeah. nothing else than that. It's control. They want to be in control in every sense of the way. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, uh, we need to wake up, man. We really need to wake up. And, and, uh, and I do think, I think that platforms like this and conversations like this need to be just everywhere yeah. where, you know, we're, we're, we're free thinkers. We want to study out a whole thing and then make a really intelligent decision on what to do in certain things. This needs to happen a whole lot more. Yeah. And man, I'm I'm so glad that you made it out here, man. I, I you know we're gonna land the plane here soon, but I am so glad that what you're doing is so important right now. Uh, I can't stress more about it. What you're doing, humanizing the badge, working with your fellow uh, law enforcement friends, bringing health and wellness to departments across America. We need we need projects like. The, the the resiliency project, we need more of that. We need more more Nick Wilsons out <laughs> no. there, man. We really do, uh, dude. I don't know if we need no Nick Wilsons, but I'll tell you this: um, I have an amazing wife who is just been a huge blessing, and a team of amazing human beings who truly care, who are still some of them on the job. Yeah. And still dealing with all this, you know, traumatic stuff and, and it's still being of service to others and people that could be out fishing since they've retired, but are still giving back to so, their community. Yeah. yeah. And so, and the same goes for you. I'm beyond grateful for this opportunity. It is a blessing to have met you and to see what you're doing, doing with your life. And I think that if we stop comparing traumas and we stop trying to be the best and all work together, together, these are the conversations that we can have. And that's why it's, it, this has really been a blessing. And, and I hope that those, if there are people listening, um, maybe give a, uh, some extra time to, to think about our society, our communities, our country, and thank those that protect each of us every single day. And I just, I want to thank uh, all of our first responders um, for all that they do, all that they sacrifice because we need them dearly. Absolutely. In, in closing, what's your biggest dream for yourself and for the resiliency project? It's a good question. Thank you. Um, our vision is long-term is to have a campus it's going to be the first of its kind type of campus for chemical dependency and for trauma so both uh whether you're chemically dependent or if it's just for trauma both can go it's going to be a for dual diagnosis it's going to be um, every treatment modality cognitive behavioral therapy dialectical behavioral therapy 
all the way to equine therapy, neurofeedback, EMDR, trauma-informed uh, practices that, that help. And we're going to remove all opportunities or excuses for our first responders um, if, to the point where they can go for free if it means saving their life. Wow. And we want this to be the gold standard of treatment in the country. And we'll work with anybody to try to make that happen. And I think for me personally, I just want to continue to grow um, personally uh, and create a family with my wife. We just got married. Congratulations. Um, about a month and a half ago. A month and a half ago. Yeah. So wow. we, we actually met at the beginning of COVID uh, when the world changed. Okay. And it was a blessing from God because um, we've been able to go through all this together <laughs> and um, we've been blessed to travel around the country and um, I just I want to have more children and um, be able to have experiences and, and meet people like yourself because that's the beauty for me of the human connection and this journey through this crazy world that we're now in yeah. um, it's been amazing that's so awesome man and congratulations to both of you and uh, um, I think God's going to use you and in a mighty and powerful way. And I'm going to be praying for you guys, uh, you know, for your project and all things involving Nick Wilson uh, <laughs> from here on out. No, because we really need uh, what you're doing wow. to be heard everywhere. I really believe that. Thank you. Um, how can people reach you and how can they support you? Thank you. Uh, they can reach us through our website and, um, they can also donate through the website. It's www.theresiliencyproject.info. Uh, if they need support, any of our first responders and or their spouses, uh, we support as well. So uh, they can request support through the website. Uh, and they can also donate through the website. We have some really exciting stuff coming up. Um, next, uh, I think it's about 10 months, we're going to be having a huge golf tournament. Um, we're going to have a gala. And we've got some exciting things that hopefully in the next couple months as well are going to be coming out. And we're just excited to work with anybody that we can to try to improve this profession. Um, and hopefully uh, hopefully the country, right? We'd yeah. like to work, and, and people like you, man, it's, it's really been a blessing having this conversation. And if you really think about it, uh, we came from two different sides, yeah. right? And we went through our own kind of own journeys. Yeah. And uh, out of that, uh, we're able to sit here like this. <laughs> you talk about a blessing. That's 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 unbelievable. So thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome, and thank you so much for for joining uh, this podcast. And uh, much much success to you. Thank you. Um, I think, um, man, I can't wait to see what God has in store for you, man. Uh, you know, I, I really believe that. I just started golfing myself. Oh, uh, yeah, bro. <laughs> I never thought I'd be golfing. We need to get you there, man. <laughs> and you know what? It's it's funny because, I, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm now the, the cholo with the polo. <laughs> I love I that. Never, I never thought I'd be golfing. And uh, I have friends, you know, in, in law enforcement that just kept, you know, just you need to golf. You got to get you out there. And they finally got me out there. And I fell in love with the sport. And the problem is, the problem is that I'm I have an addictive behavior in certain things, and that's now one of them. Hey, that's a good thing to be addicted <laughs> to, though, right? But it's so it's so refreshing to be out there, and you know, 
swinging at this little tiny ball and right and then just connecting with people networking yeah. and and uh you know doing life with people i love that i love, I love that man <laughs> yeah that's really cool so yeah yeah it, it's it's a, it's a new the, adventure we need the cholo with the polo to come to our, our golf tournament <laughs> there you go man <laughs> that's awesome nick thank you so much brother uh, uh i really uh, i'm so glad that uh ed connected us together yeah. uh i feel like i have a new friend in you and, and you have a friend uh in me uh thank you. um i know your time is valuable and you could have been anywhere else wow. but i so appreciate you being here educating our, our listeners and then sharing your life uh with us hey, the honor's been mine yeah, so thank you um guys uh i, I want to just say you know um many of you uh, i love your support i love what you do for this podcast uh the, these are the type of interviews that we're going to have uh, continuing uh, throughout the years. I don't know how, how long God has me here for, uh, but until uh, there's still breath in my lungs, I think it's important. You know, God gives you um, this life, and you only have one shot at it. You only have one opportunity at this life. And um, f for folks like me, for myself, um, I've, been giving, I've been given a second chance at life. Uh, I made horrendous decisions growing up uh, that that I wish I would have never been involved in what I got involved in but I have a story to tell and I have I have to I, I feel like I, there's a responsible responsibility inside of my heart that I need to speak out about my experience and what what life looks like uh, out there right now and uh, I, I don't want to see another kid joining a gang. I don't want to see another kid going to prison. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I want to see our kids in America playing outside. I want to see kids in America laughing, saying hi to the police. Getting baseball cards with them again. That's the America that I got to enjoy very early on before I made a mess out of my life. And God has given me and graced me with a second chance. And until there is no more breath in my lungs, I got to tell people about Jesus. And I got to tell people that there's still an American dream that is alive. And if we all work together, and if we all make the best decisions that we possibly can. It's not going to be a perfect world. We're in a world full of sin and stained by, by all kinds of wrongs. But we still live in the best country ever. Amen. There is no country like this country. We live in an America that is still free. And we need to fight tooth and nail to keep it that way. You can't find, you can't get a second chance anywhere else. You can't get a second chance anywhere else like this place. And uh, Los Angeles and everybody that listens to this podcast, keep praying for us. Thank you for your support. If, if um, you know, this is a, 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 a uh, uh, it's funded by you guys, the listener. Um, I can't carry the weight of this by myself. Uh, it's very easy if you want to uh, support this this podcast. It's easy. You just go to caseydiaz.net and uh, click on the podcast button. 
there's a support button on there, and you can become a, a monthly sponsor of this uh, of this podcast. I appreciate all your help, and uh, I just, man, I love life, and we could do better. Just plain and simple, man. We could do better. Until next time, you know how I always close. It it will always close this way. Keep Jesus first. I love you, Alay. Till the next time, keep on smiling. It's going to get better. It has to be.